I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I, I remember when I was younger, I used to smile a lot and people used to think that there was something wrong with me. Your email was smiley O. Okay, so you had to tell everybody, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> My name's Raphael Sofaluk. I love Liverpool music. Yeah. And I'm married to you. Yay, married <laughs> to me. I'm up here, me. You can call me optimistic O. Yeah. Because I look on the bright side. Fantastic. <laughs> Favourite colour is green, because green represents growth. Mm. It represents life. Yeah. And life represents purpose. Yes. So I'm the founder and CEO of the UK Black Business Show, mm -hmm. which is the biggest business show in the UK and Europe for black business owners and professionals, created to inspire and connect black business owners and professionals everywhere. Yeah. I'm proud of you, man. I'm Thank proud of you. you. Okay. And um, I'm a diversity and inclusion program manager. I do a lot of stuff in the DNI space. I'm all about empowering people, and I love that. What I do on a day-to-day -day focuses on really empowering mm -hmm. underrepresented people in organisations. And we are also authors of Twice as Hard. Yes, yes. And this is Twice as Hard, the podcast where we want to tool you up to succeed in the world of work. I definitely believe in the power of the tongue mm. and you know I do, right? Mm -hmm. And so today's affirmation is you deserve a space to thrive, right? And I want you to repeat that. I deserve... I deserve... Space to thrive. A space to thrive. Come on, say it again. I, I deserve, deserve a space to thrive. That's right. It's true. You do. <laughs> you do. We really do. And I think it's really interesting because when we think about Twice as Hard, the book, mm. it's actually... Part of it is about encouraging people to thrive yeah, where yeah. they are. It's about educating. Mm. It's about empowering, inspiring yeah. the black community. And it's also about informing allies. Sure. Just, just Some people just are unaware of the challenges mm -hmm. or they're unaware of how they can support. Um, and I think through reading Twice as Hard, it really opens up your eyes and gives you insight into our world yeah. as black professionals and That's entrepreneurs. It. So today we're going to be talking about creating space to thrive in your career and we'll be speaking to Adem Mahonez and I'm really excited to speak to Adem because he's someone who's really created space in what you would consider, you know, a predominantly white environment, I would say, but he's found a way to bridge that gap and bring 
black people into an environment where we don't really see ourselves often. Um, and he's going to tell us more about that later on. Yeah, I think I'm really pumped, really excited to speak to Adam. He, you know, creates events. I love mm -hmm. it. He's a creator. For me, he's a visionary, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, everything that he's doing with 696, I think is fantastic. So I'm just really interested just to kind of pick his brain and find out how we got to this stage mm -hmm. why did he want to do this mm -hmm. what's his you know passions you know what was driving him to mm -hmm. kind of create these spaces for people so yeah really really excited hey how you doing hey <laughs> really excited to have you here so adem is a senior artistic programmer and cultural strategist having been responsible for arts and cultural organizations talent development programs, live music festivals, tours and gigs. He specialises in enabling the ambitions of music artists and creatives, predominantly within UK jazz, Afrobeat, grime, reggae, electronic and R&B music. Adem currently works as a music curator at the Horneman Museum and Gardens, where he leads the 696 programme, as well as working as a relationship manager at Arts Council England. Adem is a trustee of London Youth, a Clore Leadership Fellow and Fellow of the Royal Society of Arts. He's currently one of 20 music industry professionals in Power Up's participant programme, part of its long-term initiative to address anti-black racism and racial disparities in the music sector. Wow. So you're doing a lot. That was very that was a very long um <laughs> bio. Well, clearly, because oh. you're doing a lot. <laughs> I had to, there was too much gems in it. I had to read the whole thing. There was too much good stuff. I couldn't miss it out. How do you feel actually hearing your bio read out loud? It feels a bit like maybe you're talking about somebody else. <laughs> I know, I, I hear that. But you got to own it. you got to own the greatness. Okay, so do you know what? Before we jump into this, I think we should have an icebreaker to get us relaxed. So we've got a few, you know, quick fire questions. Don't think too much about it. Just answer what comes to mind, Okay. So, hip-hop or R&B? R&B. Grime or rap? Grime. Ooh. What about you? What would you say, Raph? Rap, for me. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Lauren Hill or Erica Badu? It's a tough one, isn't it? Ooh. I told you. Yeah. Ooh, Lauren Hill. I'm going to say Lauren Hill. Yes, tough I agree. One. Okay. Burner Boy or Wizkid? Burner Boy. Come on. Oh. Come on. See, I'm, I'm, like, I love <laughs> both. Miles Davis or Louis Armstrong? I'll have to say Miles Davis. Okay. Uh, my dad plays the trumpet and I've grown up with Miles Davis my entire life, so I have to say Miles. Movado or Vibes Cartel? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> oh, it just depends. I'm going to say Movado. Okay. I'm That's say it. Movado. Come on. Okay. We've got one more. The, just because you don't really hear that anywhere. I know. Come on. Gangsta for life. <laughs> okay, museum or musical? Oh, probably musical. Yeah. 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 Okay, and then lastly, if you had to pick one genre of music to listen to for life, what would it be? And why? Well, it'd be it'd be it'd be reggae. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I have reggae on in the house most of the time. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Before we really get into your journey, what would you say is your professional career mantra? May Angelou teach and I am human, therefore nothing human can be alien to me. That's something mm. that when I saw her speak about that really resonated with me. The idea that, well, just because somebody does something bad, it doesn't mean they're inherently a bad person mm -hmm. and we're all capable of doing 
anything that anyone can do, but also we're all capable of the same greatness. You know, it's, it's really easy to, the Miles Davises or the mm-hmm. Beyonce's mm-hmm. or the whoever, it's really easy to look, you guys, it's really easy to look at people who achieve great things and think that that is removed from who we are as people, but actually mm-hmm. we're just all people doing stuff. Exactly. No, I love that. Who inspires you? Beyonce. We met her daddy. We did. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, of course, for the book, of course. Yeah. (laughs) So I think it's important to start at the beginning because today, you know, you're a music career at the Horniman Museum and music relationship manager at Arts Council England. So when did your love for music really begin? For me, music is never something that felt like it was outside of myself. Mm. Or it's played a really key part in every bit of my life I can think of my mum showed me a picture of me as a baby lying on the bed and it looks like I'm screaming or crying it's like mum why if I'm crying did you stop to take a picture she's like no no you weren't crying you were you were singing and uh, yeah so I guess I'm really lucky in that I managed to make what I do with most of my day involve the thing that I love Mm -hmm. and so you say like you know you've managed to get yourself to a place where for most of the day you're doing something that you love how would you describe the work that you do so for anyone who doesn't really understand what a music curator is mm. like in simple terms tell us you know what you do my job as a music curator at the Horniman so I think up ideas for shows for exhibitions for music projects for stuff that connects the museum to people mm-hmm. the job of museums really is to like use objects um, the stuff that you might see behind glass to understand the world around us. Mm-hmm. So the Horniman's got this massive collection of musical instruments yeah. from all around the world. And so my job is to use that collection, but use our spaces as well to help people think about and get involved with music. What I'm really interested in is making connections from the collection and our spaces to the black music community, where this, there's this amazing music scene, as we all know, through shows, through exhibitions, through work with artists, because the museum is publicly funded, it's paid for yeah. with public money and by taxes, so it belongs to everyone. So my job really is to help make sure that people on our doorstep, whether that's musicians or people who want to put shows on or people who just want to go and see live music, mm-hmm. get to use the museum mm-hmm. as a resource for what they want to do. A useful way to understand the Arts Council is that it's a similar body to the NHS, where the NHS is healthcare, Arts Council is arts and culture, but it has a, a similar sort of structure what our job is is to use public money so money from the taxpayer Mm -hmm. money from the national lottery to develop to invest in um, arts and culture in England and so my job is to as a music relationship manager in London is to focus on music in London so I was really lucky that like as a young person I was able to like spaces like the roundhouse Mm. organizations like sound connections which is a music charity yeah which are these publicly funded music organisations, I benefited from being involved with them as a a young person. And then as kind of I started to develop professionally, it felt like a natural step because I could really see the value in what these organisations and these spaces could do. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you talk about publicly funded spaces, because obviously if it's publicly funded, then it's for everyone. Um, But I think what's interesting is spaces like museums often attract a certain demographic. And when I say this, whenever I've gone to a museum, you know, when I look around at the people who are there, I don't often see a lot of black people. Mm. And also when you look at the staff, you know, you don't often see 
that diversity. So I love what you're doing in terms of bridging that gap and trying to bring more of a connection between, you know, a very historical and cultural place like the Hornman Museum um, and the Black community. But I'd love to know from you, what could museums do to attract and encourage more people from the Black community to explore these environments and take advantage of the programmes? Mm. And really, when you think about it, the educational resources that you find in museums? What I'm interested in is looking at the programmes and what those organisations do and make sure that the communities are embedded in them. So it's not about going, oh, we're a museum, you should come to us. It's, we need to be working with you. I'm in the middle of delivering the 696 programme and our festival. All elements of the programme are co-led and co-delivered by partners, pioneers from the Black music community. So even though I'm a Black person from the music community, still as the museum, I don't think it should just be coming from me it's, it's got to work in collaboration because otherwise people aren't going to turn up they're not going to be interested yeah, yeah exactly and yeah. I think when you think about these environments people often say like when it comes to marketing like are there any black people in the room or you know how diverse are the people who are delivering these programs so I love what you're saying about doing it in partnership with the community and you know and employing the staff that is one way to do it in partnership like that's a really really yeah. important part yeah, if, if it's the marketing, that team should be diverse and it should represent the communities that it's based in and that it seeks to engage. Also, black people don't just do black stuff, quote unquote, yeah, yeah. black stuff. You know, it's yeah, it's 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 about genuinely working in partnership. And yeah, I'm really proud that that's something that we do at the tournament. As someone who's a um, event creator myself. I really admire people who, who create events because there's a lot of work that goes behind it. So, yeah, if you could give a bit of information about the 696, because I think it's fantastic. Yeah, so 696 at the Horniman is a programme that celebrates and platforms Black British music in South London. It takes its name from the Metropolitan Police Risk Assessment Form 696. So the form was a risk assessment. It was pretty controversial. It was in use for about 10 years. It was ultimately scrapped because it was found to disproportionately affect Black live music. The way the form was structured meant that Black music genres were seen to be more risky. You know, there's a perception that Black audiences are more prone to violence, which is obviously not true, and that, that there's a link to those genres of music. So that form was in place for about 10 years and stopped a lot of black music promoters from being able to put shows on, artists from being able to perform, audiences from being able to see the genres of music like Bashman that they like. There was a, that period of time you couldn't put Bashman on a poster because it could affect the risk of more event, which is ridiculous because all people want to do at a dance is dance. I realised as a museum, if we're going to do this work where we're working in partnership with the black music community, we had to acknowledge that relationship between public space and black live music. So... I wanted to do it in a bit of a tongue-in-cheek way with the name, but the programme's much, you know, deeper than that. And the form is one way that Black live music has been pushed out of space in London and in this country. But, you know, we can go right the way back to sound system culture and no Blacks, no dogs, no Irish on a pub door. And our grandparents, or my grandparents, them going to parties and houses and, and all of that. So, And I love the fact that you've you've almost turned the name into a positive spin as well. I actually remember 696. I remember that because a lot of some of my favourite artists, I would just hear, okay, the show's been cancelled. And then I would read about 696 and I'd be like, what's going on? To be honest with you, I kind of, like, I see myself as a creative person. So I wanted to, that's the intention, mm. but mm -hmm. I'm kind of open to how people react. I had 
someone who I really, really respect. He's a, a black music academic, uh, like pioneer. Was like, I'm not sure about this name. I'm not sure what you're trying to do. And it's like really interesting to get the reaction. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think, you know, it's interesting that you've set up something within an organization. And one thing that we talk about together as a couple, Raphael's an entrepreneur, I see myself as an entrepreneur because I work at an organisation and I look for opportunities to create and design within that space. And I'll be interested to know, you know, why did you want to work within an organisation rather than set up your own space? And do you think, you know, at some point in the future, you'll set up your own space and do it kind of independently? In my world, you know, organisations like Tomorrow's Warriors and Mobos and Jazz Refreshed, who have set up and they do amazing, amazing work. And I I respect like, and want to support what they're doing. I think for me personally, I saw where the resources are. Mm. And I, because it's, they're public resources, because they belong to everyone, I feel that because I have some sort of understanding of this world, that I've got a bit of a responsibility to help just create access to those resources. It's all of us working together. It's none of us are in complete silos. You need a mixture of all of those. So we do need the people who are starting their own stuff sure. and driving that. And I see my role as supporting and enabling those and working alongside them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, you've been a real champion of change and practices within organisation governance, especially youth governance. I'd love if you could just tell us a bit about that and how and what impact do these practices have on your industry? Yeah. So in the arts and cultures world, most organisations are charities, mm-hmm. selfish charities, and so they have boards of trustees usually. And typically speaking, historically speaking, those have been mainly middle class, white, and mainly men mm-hmm. on those boards. Many of which are absolutely brilliant and like should be on boards because and leading these organisations. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think as I believe, those organisations and their leadership should be more representative of society mm-hmm. i became a trustee of the yeah. roundhouse as a young person and it was a really transformational experience for me because i got to see tr- like true leaders from across the sector mm. right at the beginning of my career see how they navigate the boardroom get an understanding of accounts you know management accounts as, as well as like board papers and all, all of that stuff mm-hmm. and so i thought that experience was really valuable so i s- see the value in it and want more 
people like me to be able to have that experience for one. So yeah. um, it's really important for me to bring young people into those inner trustees, into those boardrooms to gain that experience for themselves. But also in doing that, it equips our organisations with the expertise of people at the beginning of their career mm-hmm. and of more diverse young perspectives. That means those organisations, their leadership are able to be they're more equipped with a wider set of expertise. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I would love to know, you know, what was, I would say, two of the the main things you learned as a trustee at a young age for such a big organisation? I was so nervous going to my first ever board meeting. And I was in there and I had, you know, I had my papers. I was there and I was ready. And um, I was very still and very calm and, like, I behaved in the way I felt a trustee would behave. And I and I really thought about the questions and the phrases. And then afterwards, a couple of weeks later, I was I was in the venue and I bumped into another one of the trustees who then introduced himself to me. And I was like, oh yeah, I know, because we were at the board meeting. But he didn't remember me at all. And I thought, you know, I'm the, I was the only, per, I think, only person of colour in that room. And usually in those kind of spaces, I stand out. And so I was surprised that he didn't like recognise me. And then I thought, actually, I was such a small version of myself I was so not who I actually am that I probably did just completely fade into the background. And so the thing that I really learned is is when I'm in spaces like that, or when I'm anywhere, completely showing up as myself does the room and the experience the best service, but it also does me the best service. And then the second thing was how to read management accounts. Music is part of who I am and being creative. And accounting and finance isn't, you know, I could easily say that's not my bag. But having a basic understanding of how to read management accounts is like fundamental. And once you know how to do it, you know how to do it. You know what questions to ask, you know what to look for. And so, yeah, getting to do that for a multi-million pound organisation was like pretty impactful quite early on. Something that you said that resonated with me is just the importance of not shrinking yourself. And I think when you're that one black person or the minority in the space, it's Mm. so easy to to feel uncomfortable so you kind of make yourself smaller when actually you've got so much to offer so I love that that takeaway you've spent a large part of your career creating space for others how do you create space for yourself to grow being completely honest it's not something I've been amazing at prioritizing like I, I would say naturally like obviously I've grown like from these opportunities experiences I've described but it's kind of happened by chance I guess and it's only really over the last year where I've become a fellow uh, on the Claw Leadership Programme, which is a, a year of looking at your own leadership and a participant on the Power Up Scheme. Those really are like stuff that I've started in the last six months where I've really started to think about myself, how I want to grow. I was always the person kind of in one-to-ones with managers. They'd go, and have you got any development needs? And I'd be like, no, don't need to worry about that. No, I'm fine. I'm just doing my job. But actually spending that time and looking at my skills and where I would like to be is so, so important and not not selfish or not. It doesn't take away from anything else. One thing that I've loved in this conversation is me and PME, we discuss it quite a lot about, you know, it's not just about going up the elevator, but it's also about sending that elevator back down so for others so they can go in mm-hmm. and go up. Mm-hmm. And and that's certainly what you've been doing in your career. Well, I'm, trying, listen, I'm trying to hold the door open. I'm like, that's you know, come it. in. Come, come, on. come true, come true. <laughs> <laughs> so no I, I absolutely love it um, but yeah I wanted to ask when you hear the phrase twice as hard what does that phrase mean to you 
do you have any memories of it and how did it inform you of your career or you know your general work in practice so I think for most people I think who come across the title it's immediately takes you back to took me back to being like a kid mm. and my dad you know the the black rule yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's what it is but it also made me think about kind of the space I'm in with the festival and all of that and that our music goes twice as hard. Love that it. really hit me when I read mm-hmm. it, thinking about like this conversation. I remember getting like 98 on a test <laughs> out of 100, and my dad going, so what happens to the other two? <laughs> We've all been all there. We've all, all been that there. Um, and actually, like, you know, that's a, it's amazing to get pushed in that way to, to work hard and to be successful, but there's things that, like, through doing claw leaderships, I'm learning that I can still develop. Mm. So... It can be really easy to think twice as hard means I have to know how to do everybody's job and I have to know how sure. to do everything. Mm. And actually, working twice as hard doesn't necessarily equal working twice as smart. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm learning that I don't have to do twice as much. Mm-hmm. And anything encouraging you want to say about thriving in your own space before we wrap up? I think reflecting on that experience I had as a young trustee and not being a small version of yourself... It's like what came to mind when you were describing it was like when you're cooking, you're an ingredient like and you're in the dish for a reason. Like imagine you're adding in your smoke pack briefly and it doesn't taste of anything. What's the point? So I think, yeah, it's about being yourself and adding yourself because that's where the value is. Yeah, what's the point in putting in the barbecue sauce? It doesn't taste it like a barbecue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be the barbecue sauce. That's Come it. on, that's oh. it. You're preaching. Oh my gosh, I'm using this. <laughs> oh, thank you, Azem. It's been amazing. Oh, thank, thank you both so much. And and I want to say this at the jump, but what you guys are doing is so inspiring. Oh, both of the book and all of your work. Oh, so thank you, thank you so much for having me and, and getting to have this conversation. With Appreciate and thank you. you for what you're doing for the yes. community as well. Wow, that was a fantastic session. It was. Um, so I don't know, how, how do you feel? Because I've got a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. running through my mind on that session. Do you know, I really loved the fact that he's using his role and his position mm. to create an opportunity for the black community yeah. to kind of really be engaged in the Hornemann Museum or in that creative space. And I love what he said about his experience as a trustee around not shrinking yourself it hit me i was like preach preach Mm -hmm. preach preach because when you're in these environments and i felt it so many times like as a black woman in a majority white environment especially when i first started my career i really did feel like i don't want to be that loud person i kind of want to just put my head down Mm. work hard but actually in doing that you do yourself a disservice so the very fact that he was the only black person in the room and there was that guy that didn't remember him yeah that shows like how much he had kind of like shrunk in a way Mm -hmm. um but then actually getting to that stage and realizing that no i can be myself and i can really add value in being myself I love that because nobody else is going to do what you do the way you do it. Being the only black person in the room, you're you're visible, but mm, sometimes invisible, invisible. Mm-hmm. which is a cra- it's it's crazy to, to put those two together. Some of the things that stuck out to me, I think I mentioned it during the interview. I, I love events. Yeah. Um, I love creators. Anyone who creates things, I think they're incredible, and I just love the way he's got his hands in so many different 
opportunities. He's, you know, also helping the youth as well. He mm -hmm. has a passion for the youth. He's, like we said, he's sending that elevator down. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's lifting people up. He's doing so many great things for the community. Um, also loved the source analogy at the end. Of course you did. Um, I've just, <laughs> now I've just got to be my best source. Come on. It's not my best self. I'm going to be my best source All now. Right then. I love um, that. So I love that analogy. Twice as hard doesn't mean, you know, go work in the crazy hours, but, you know, actually prioritising things. And Can um, we just go back to what you said? Twice as hard doesn't mean work in the crazy hours. Oh, you're, you're going to do this, really? <laughs> Shots fired. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, you love to do the crazy hours. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, so, um, lesson you know, to learn. I'm, I'm learning a lot from <laughs> writing, mm -hmm. podcasts, all of this. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to try and implement it as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Because you have to have a balance, right? Yeah. It's important. I think a lot of what we... Like it goes back to the point when we were talking or when um, Adam was sharing with us what twice as hard means to him. You know, there's that tendency to think that you have to just work like more. Mm -hmm. But then actually, it's just about working smart. That's it. And sometimes that is easier said than done. But it's so important to think about how am I resting um, as I work hard? Yeah. You know, am I taking time for myself? And that's something I need to mm. do more of. So it's not just you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just you. But yeah, I totally, totally hear that. There were so many bits and pieces that he said. I think what really stood out for me was when we had the conversation about how we changed the name of 696 mm. into, a, into a positive spin and mm -hmm. just him telling us that actually some people reacted differently to that. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's powerful. That's a statement. Mm. Like you're turning something negative into something positive, positive mm -hmm. you know so I think that really stood out for me and also you kind of mentioned that actually with any form of art that you create there's going gonna to be a different opinion yeah, yeah yeah exactly I've got my own stories about the UK Black Business Show I knew you was going to go was, there there were a lot of naysayers yeah there was a lot of people who were like why would you someone saying that there's not enough black businesses to do it some people told me that they would only partner with me if I put music and food in it because black people only come out for music and food there were so many things that people were telling me yeah. at the beginning which I just kind of refused to to, to to bend to which I'm I'm glad I didn't so I think the people listening is certainly you know just create your art maybe not everyone will like it yeah it might not um, be everyone's cup of tea there we go but there is a lane for it. And that's why actually. they're different flavours of tea. Different flavours of tea, yeah. you know. Like that's mint. it. Mint, <laughs> mint green, tea, tea green tea that I'm drinking. English breakfast tea. English breakfast. So oh, great. That's it. Make your own tea. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much to Adem Holness. On next week's show, we have CEO of Treasure Trust, Jamelia Donaldson. And remember, take time to know your strengths and use them to your advantage. This is the Twice As Hard podcast from Storyglass. Your hosts were me, Raphael Sofaluk. And me, Opiemi Sofaluk. The producer is Nicole Logan and executive producer is Alex Hollins. Production support from Tolly Mags and production management from Kerry Luter. Our show opener and episode mixing is done by Charlie Brandon King. Special thanks to the team at Spiritland Studios and to all our lovely guests. 
twice as hard, the book is published by DK and available from all good bookstores now. If you like the podcast, please let us know by rating us and leaving a review. We know everyone says this, but it really does make a difference when it comes to people finding out about the podcast. Also, like, share amongst your community and the big one, subscribe. We'll see you soon. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.